0: How would you like to go to school year after year and never advance to the next grade? or We used to call those uh, demotes, uh, where I'm from. Uh, First grade is fun and challenging when you go through it for the first time. When you have to go to kindergarten. You remember those days? Uh, I faintly remember the days in which I would beg my parents to go to school. I couldn't wait to get to kindergarten. But going to first grade offered a different set of challenges, yet it was still fun. But imagine if you would, if you had to attend first grade five or six times in a row. But after all your friends move on and after you have heard your ABCs five or six years in a row, you may soon realize there's something wrong here. You may realize that uh, as you continue to learn your ABCs that your classmates are getting younger and younger. Here, you're the tallest one in class. You're the only one in first grade with a mustache. You begin to realize that education is not what it's cracked up to be. Then you may quickly give up or refuse to engage in anything that the teacher is trying to teach you. Well, uh, but on the other hand, there are some people who are quite content on being in the first grade. As long as they have their friends there with them, they are most satisfied of being in first grade year after year after year. But compare this with our Christian walk. There are some people who go to church, yes to church, week after week after week after week who are happy being a first-grade believer. More is not required of them, and neither do they expect more because everybody is on the same level. Everybody is mature. It reminds us in the way that the only thing that we found joy in in going to school was having recess. That once you got to school, you could only think about recess. And then once you had recess, all you could think about is what you did at recess. And that was the one moment of joy that you had when everybody could basically just be a kid and be themselves. I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that some people think of church as recess. That all they want to do is come to church and and have this fun. They don't want to learn anything. They don't want to mature, uh, but they just want to make it to recess. And they can't wait until the next time they go back to recess again. Some, when they are presented with biblical facts and concepts, They quickly turn away because they don't understand or it is too difficult for them to digest and they only want to hear their ABCs again and again and again. But as you know that if you are to grow, uh, that you are going to be faced with some kind of challenges. Amen? If you are going to grow, you will be faced with challenges. Uh, A seed that's placed in the ground uh, must garner enough strength in order to break through the dirt in order to make it to the sun. That baby who crawls around eventually has to be faced with the challenge of falling down sometimes if they're going to walk. So if you and I are going to grow, we must face some types of spiritual matters that will challenge us. And when they challenge us, we must not run away, but we must run towards those things. Each stage of your Christian development, it requires an effort on your, be- on your part, on your behalf. If you're going to break through, or you need an effort of will. You need the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you so that you may be mature in the Lord. And today's message is no different from that. It requires not only your heart, but it also requires your mind to grow in the things of God. Today, will you have the courage? will you have the endurance will you have the strength in the Holy Spirit to grow in that which the Lord will present to you today or will you only be happy with what does it take to know Jesus Christ well we don't want to be a church that only has one grade amen I don't want to be a part of a church that only has one grade first grade So we move on. Mark chapter 13. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Mark chapter 13 uh, in verse 1 we're going to begin to read. Verse 1. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us. When will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? We all have a yearning to know about the end of all things. Here Jesus, he introduces the subject about end times because his disciples, they wanted to know and then they needed to know as well. This new segment of Jesus' teaching is something in which the disciples, that they needed to grow in. In fact, at this particular point, as we have seen and as we have progressed through the entire Gospel of, uh, of Mark, at this particular point, uh, Jesus is about two or three way, uh, days away from his crucifixion. So at this particular point, Jesus is about two to three days away from them killing him on the cross. But through all the disagreements, through all the misunderstandings, they had to grow, and now they had to grow up quickly. Jesus needed to let them know that life as they knew it, and as we know it, that it will not uh, always continue the way that we anticipate. We often act as if uh, there is nothing but a circle of life, someone will say. A circle of life, uh, which is, it starts and it ends and it starts and it ends, and that's just the way existence is, some will say. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, that this is a fallacy concocted in the minds of those who do not have the mind nor the heart of Jesus Christ. Here Jesus teaches us. He teaches us that life is ending. And things will not continue the way that we have always understood them to move. Jesus will teach us that this apparent uh, circle of life will be broken as the reality of the end will stare us right smack Dad, middle, in the face. So in verses 1 and 2 here in Mark 13, Jesus, he speaks of the impending disaster, which is to destroy uh, the temple that Herod, Herod had built. Remember that this temple was so imposing and magnificent that people were awestruck concerning its grandeur and its architecture. Jesus uh, was telling them that there's coming a time in which all those things that are great will be totally overthrown. In fact, he says that there will not be one stone left upon another which will remain intact, uh, he explains to the disciples. So as wonderful as it may have seemed, there will not be a temple standing that they would be able to marvel at at any time in the future. So the idea is that Jesus was not speaking figuratively, right? He was not speaking figuratively. He was not speaking in ways he's really talking about something else. But here, he was speaking literally. Listen to what the historian Josephus has written about 90 AD. He says this, and I quote, Caesar gave orders that they should now demolish the entire city and temple, but should leave as many of the towers standing as were of the greatest eminency. So in in AD 70, Caesar gave orders... And the Romans completely destroy the very temple that Jesus says, that one stone will not be left upon another. This overthrow of Jerusalem was predicted by Jesus as the Jews, listen here, as the Jews again turn their back on God by rejecting their own Messiah. Hear me again, this destruction of this temple uh, not only was a literal destruction, but also it was indicative of the fact uh, that Jesus was calling the Jews again back to God. And he was saying that you've had opportunity after opportunity and here is your chance again and because they are rejecting Jesus Christ, because they are rejecting their Messiah he says that you are no longer going to have a hat to put, a peg to put your hat on in fact let's turn to Matthew 23 Matthew chapter 23 and here Jesus he warned the Jews of this destruction by speaking the seven woe judgments against the leaders of Israel. We're not going to read all of them. Let's just start by reading verse 13. Matthew 23, verse 13. But woe to you. Remember, any time that you hear God or prophets speak woe, you know somebody is in really, really big trouble it just so happens within uh, Matthew 23, there are seven woe judgments. And the idea of seven, if you're into biblical numbers, the idea of seven has to do with completion. So you have seven woe judgments, and, and this is one of them here. And what uh, Jesus says, you all are going to be in big trouble. So he says here again, Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would, who would enter to go in. So Jesus had come to fulfill God's covenant to the nation of Israel. But instead of accepting their Messiah, they rejected him. And here we go, Matthew 23, verse 37. And I'm looking at the second half of the verse because we have to move on. Matthew 23, verse 37, the second half of the verse. Jesus says, as their God, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. You see, God will not make you do anything against your own will. Uh, Jesus was standing right there in their midst. He was saying that I am your Messiah. I am the one that will deliver you. I am going to be your redemption in Israel. Uh, But I'm not going to make you do anything. That you have to love me as we heard before time and, uh, and again. You have to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, everything that you are. You must love me. So his disciples, they hear this, right? And uh, much like us, if someone is going to tell you that, you know what, all this is going to be destroyed, it's all going to be all overthrown, uh, much like the disciples, we would have uh, and ask the same question. We would want to know when it's going to happen. I don't know about you. I would like to know when it's going to happen. Why? Because if I know when it's going to happen, I know where I need to be when it happens. And that is not there. So these disciples, they acted much like the Pharisees and the scribes because they wanted a sign. They were acting very Jewish-like. Uh, remember what the Pharisees and the scribes, that they oftentimes ask Jesus, well, just show us a sign. If you would, uh, just show us a sign. And remember what Paul says. He says, he says the, uh, uh, the, the Jews seek for a sign, while the Greeks, what do they look for? Yeah, that's what I thought, right? But, but but Paul says the Jews, they look for a sign. They want to see a sign that things are going to happen the way that it says they're going to happen. So these disciples are no different. And they acted in a manner that was consistent with their Jewishness. Now Mark uh, chapter 13 verse 3. It begins a portion of scripture, which is called the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse. Why? Because as we see, it was taught by Jesus where? On the Mount of Olives. We got that one. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus identifies the signs. And here it is. Listen to what I'm going to say. Jesus identifies the signs of the coming Tribulation. Jesus identifies the signs of the coming tribulation. Mark 13, verse 5. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Isn't that interesting? That Jesus says, when you hear about wars breaking out here and wars breaking out there, and and then you hear about there might be a war, Jesus says, don't worry about that. He says, this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. They are but the beginning of the birth pains. So I began this section by saying that Jesus identifies uh, the signs of the coming tribulation. And if you know what the tribulation is, you are bad in a thousand. Uh, but the tribulation is a time uh, after all believers will be raptured off the face of the earth, and it will begin a time of great trouble for everybody else that remains. So pray that you are raptured us, but what are you talking about? Well, the word "rapture comes from the word "caught up" found in First Thessalonians. Please uh, turn with me there. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Okay, so you're talking about this idea of raptured and caught up and so on and so forth. Well, the idea of raptured actually comes from the word caught up. And it is uh, a part of of a Latin rendering of the same Greek word. Uh, So the word uh, uh, caught up is the word raptos or raptos or something like that in Latin. So that's where we get the word rapture from. And basically what happens during the time of rapture, uh, people will be here on the earth, right? You'll be minding your business, right? Stuff will be going on. Then all of a sudden, right, you'll be going to 7-Eleven to get you a slushy, right? and you come out of the uh, 7-Eleven near the cemetery, then all of a sudden, uh, all the graves start shaking, right? Everywhere. All the graves start shaking. Then all of a sudden, uh, they burst open, and people start getting up out of the graves. Right? Wouldn't it make sense? I often ask myself, Jesus, it would make more sense that you would first take us who are already alive, right? So we wouldn't have to see all this stuff. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way it's going to happen. He says that what's going to happen is, first, the dead in Christ will rise first. So if you happen to be around at this particular time, uh, that uh, you're talking about the, uh, the, the, the night of the living dead, uh, that you're getting ready to experience this. So the graves will burst open, and dead people will come alive, and they will go to be with Jesus in the air. And I can see some of us saying, wait a minute, I thought I was saved because they're on their way up. And then it says, Those who are alive and that have remained, then what will happen to you? Come on, what's gonna happen? You're also going to be caught up as well. So the dead, they're going to come first, and then you are going to come second if you happen to be around at this time. Wouldn't you want to see that for yourself? No, some people said no, huh? But the thing is, after this rapture happens, after people are caught up to be with Jesus in the air, then this great and terrible time of tribulation has hit the earth, can you imagine, uh, if you would, can you imagine living at a time where things are like they are now, except multiplied by about 10,000 times? So it wouldn't be like, you know, some people, they're, they're afraid to go in certain neighborhoods, Right? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move in such and such a suburb because if I move in such and such a suburb, I know certain people are not going to be there. And I'm going to keep moving. Oh, no, 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 no. This time of tribulation is going to do what? It's going to hit the entire earth. You cannot escape. You're not going to be able to plug into your iPhone or your iPad or your Android or whatever on earth that you may have at the time, put in your earbuds and then just walk on a happy way. Because you're going to see all kind of mess. You think uh, folks, of uh, the few folks running around here with guns now is going to be a problem? Well, you wake to the time of tribulation because you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. So the signs which follow are intended for people who may get saved during this time, right? So there's going to be a time of tribulation. But before that time of tribulation happens, all the believers who are in existence at that time, they will be caught up in the air with Jesus Christ. So all the saved folks are going to be gone. But wait a minute. But how then can people be saved on earth after that? How is that even possible? People are going to get saved. Because remember, what's going to get caught up are believers. What's going to re- remain is this. Did you realize that? What's going to remain, do you, do you realize, Pastor Scott, do you realize this, that what's going to remain during the time of, of tribulation is your sermon? Do you realize that if you've written anything, and especially if you've placed it digitally, that what's going to remain during the time of the tribulation is going to be that writing? Do you realize that if you've written music and it has stored it digitally and it glorifies Jesus Christ, do you realize that during the time of tribulation that that's going to be a testimony of Jesus Christ? This is how people will get saved during the time of the tribulation. So Jesus lists here the various signs that will happen. During the tribulation. The first sign of the coming tribulation is this. Many will claim to be Jesus when they are not. Many will claim to be Jesus when they are not. And specifically, Jesus says that folks are going to be deceived. That literally, they're going to think that uh, that person, that man, or that woman is actually Jesus. Within the last couple of years, we have not heard, at least uh, in a big way, any person claiming to be Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, someone, uh, some nut job uh, claiming to be Jesus has not been uh, on our news recently. Yet Jesus says that uh, this type of thing is bound to happen. However, some of us are familiar with people like David Koresh from Texas. You're familiar with Jim Jones who led people from the United States to Ghana who both of these folks, they claim to be Jesus in one form or another. And see, the thing that gets me that there are people who actually believe that they were Jesus. There were some people with them who had considered themselves to be Christians who literally followed these folks who thought that they were Jesus. And what is true in both of these cases is that they led many people to their death. Many people. These folks who believed that they were some sort of Messiah who would deliver them out of their destructions or possibly out of the problems that they experienced in this world. Therefore, they willingly, do you hear what I'm saying? They willingly gave their lives, sacrificed their lives, because they thought they were with Jesus. How can you think they were Jesus if you're reading your Bible? How is that possible? People will follow them. Well, in fact, uh, this last year, in, in, in 2015, there is, I would like to say there was, right? There is a man in the United Kingdom, in England, in that area there, who claims to be Jesus Christ. Yes, today. We haven't heard him because he is across the pond and his, his, uh, his following has not become really, really big yet. But he claims to be Jesus Christ and uh, one of the things that he has done, he has uh, superimposed a picture uh, of himself against the shroud of the turan, and basically he, he put them together like this and he says, there, that proves that I'm Jesus. And then he goes on to say that even the Pope has endorsed my Messiahship. Well, we you know what that's about, but at the end of the day the Pope did not say that he was Jesus. But this is the crazy thing, my brothers and sisters, it's the crazy thing that he has thousands of followers. Uh. There's a story of a man who followed this joker, who left his wife, he left his job, and his children to go follow. Now, I'm not talking about back in the 80s, long time ago, folks. I'm talking about last year. He left his wife, his kids, and his job to go, go follow this nutcase so it tells us that we must graduate from first grade, amen and move on to the next grade so that we can be mature in the faith at one point or another even though it's important uh, they're, they're very important to us we must stop reciting our ABC's and start learning words and how they function in our faith, amen If you don't know if uh, Hezekiah is a book of the Bible, you're in trouble. How many of you would stake your life on it right now without opening it up? You hold your Bible up. And if you say, Hezekiah is a book of the Bible, how many of you are willing to stand up right now and say, yes, Hezekiah is a book of the Bible? Now, if that casts doubt in your mind, If you don't know, if you don't know, if you don't know, that tells me that you need to learn more of Scripture, amen? Now, I'm not not on you per se, but I'm saying that if you have no idea if it's a book of the Bible, then uh, you have some work to do, amen? Now, if you're wondering if Hezekiah is a book of the Bible, go ahead and sneak on over and take a look. You can go ahead and turn or go ahead through your your, your electronic device to see if Hezekiah is a book of the Bible. Well, I'm not going to tell you that until later. You can ask me after service is over with if you're brave enough. Amen. Amen. So one thing we must be clear about. If someone claims to be Christ, but leads you away from the things of God, then you know there is a problem. Amen. Because if you're going to be Jesus, you better know the Bible in and out like Jesus did, right? If revelation about scripture becomes boring and not enough, then also be warned. If you're saying that, uh, uh, as I heard one, one preacher say one time, oh, I keep hearing preachers saying the same thing. I need a new revelation. If, if you're hearing that type of stuff, you need to run and you need to run fast the other way. Be warned that heresy and the outright rejection of Jesus might be in order. And it doesn't make a difference how smart or how impassioned that person may be. Just because the person seems to be on fire doesn't mean that they are on fire for the right thing. So be aware that false Christ will not stop appearing just because you don't think that's no longer true in Scripture Because if it happens in 2015, and it's been happening all of my lifetime, it's been happening all of your lifetime as well. So that was the first time. Here's the second sign of the coming tribulation. There will be wars and rumors of wars. Jesus says here in Mark 13, verse 7, And when you hear wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. World War One was said to be the world the, the war that will end all wars. Because after the war, after they've done all their tabulation, there were about 17 million people who died. Can you imagine that? Seventeen million people died in World War One. And they said this was going to be... Some people said that would be the final war. But then came World War II. And during World War II, it is estimated... Listen to this. Listen to this. It is estimated that 60 million people died. Which is about 3% of the population of the entire world. 60 million people died. This is staggering. You hear that? During World War II. There were 400,000 Americans who died. But listen to this. There were 8.7 million Russians who died. 8.7 million Russians who died. In 2013, the city of Chicago had a population, listen to this, the city of Chicago had a population in 2013 of 2.7 million people. That means that if World War II, if you compare that to Chicago, it would like be like being World War II destroyed Chicago three times plus some. Can you imagine destroying the population of a great city like this three times over? In fact, uh, the city of New York uh, in 2013 has a population of 8.4 million. So that means World War II, in essence, wiped out the entire population of New York City. 8.4 million people in New York City. And then there were those who again believe that World War II would be the last and the greatest war. With such horrific consequences of human conflict, who would want to experience that again? Who wants to go through that again? At that time, some religious leaders believed that this was the beginning of the end. In fact, uh, some said that during this time uh, that we, uh, we understand that this was after the rapture. They believed that somehow maybe the rapture had happened for some folks. Based on this war, people took the position of a post-tribulation rapture. But regardless of what one thought about the war, there was no rapture, and the wars they continue. How many wars have we had since World War One? We had WW Two. We've had the Korean War, Vietnam War, Afghanistan, and everything else in between. And every time you turn around, it seems like there's more rumors of war. Remember just a few years ago when even Russia was doing this thing with Ukraine and how the tension began to increase and it seems like something was getting ready to happen. I was watching the news like a hawk because the tension was there. Next, the third sign of the coming tribulation. There will be natural disasters that will not only alter the physical appearance of the face of the earth, but will affect the thriving of the human race. Jesus says there will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. You know, again, it would be really easy if for us if Jesus told us how many earthquakes that there would be? It would be really easy if, if Jesus told us uh, how many famines there will be. This past week, I was looking at the uh, Discovery Channel, and um, one of the things that they were saying, uh, they, were talk- they happened to be talking about earthquakes of all things, right? And one of the things they were saying about uh, just a shifting of the tectonic plates on California, currently they said there's a portion of California that's moving one inch every year. There's one portion of California that's moving one inch northward every single year. So they're saying eventually there's coming a time when parts of southern California will literally line up with parts of, of northern or or, or or middle parts of California. But one of the things they, they said they keep saying over and over again that we know there's a really, really big earthquake that's coming. We know it's coming. It has not happened yet, but it is on the way. So if you love that weather, uh, God bless you. And then there are the famines that seem to continue to plague the earth. Listen to this. In 1845, 1.5 million people were, were killed in Ireland because of a famine. 1945, 2 million Vietnamese were killed in a famine. And then there was a famine in North Korea in the 80s where nearly 3 million people died. In 1921, there was a famine in Russia which killed 5 million people. And then we remember about the famine in Ethiopia between 1983 and 1985 that killed 1 million people. And then uh, as recent as 2010 in Somalia where 260,000 people were killed in the in famine. Now I, I know that all these stats, they sound really gruesome but we must understand these things within the context of scripture themselves. Jesus tells us that these things are the signs of the tribulation to come and right now even though we're not in the tribulation, he's giving us a taste of what is to be. So we must be on all of our P's and Q's and make sure that we're faithful. So what do we do with a message such as this? And I will continue with this next week. But what do we do with a message such as this? Well, look at this and, and consider how, how God typically uses his prophets and how they operate. When God sent a prophet He will send that prophet to warn the leader. He will send that prophet to warn the nation of the judgment to come. Because God wanted to pull, He wants to pull people back to Himself. Amen? So if you have this message, and you know these things are coming, then why are we wasting our time arguing with one another? Why are we wasting our time buying more and more stuff? Why aren't we about God's business instead? Because we know Uh, that our time on earth is short. We must be about the Lord's business. If you are a believer, it is time to wake up out of your slumber and be obedient. Amen? If you are a believer, it is time for you to wake up out of your slumber and walk in obedience. And if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, today is your day to say yes to Him and to believe in Him for your redemption. Well, Jesus, He begins to talk about end-time things because He wanted His disciples to know. Amen? He wants us to know that it's time to grow up and it's time to stop fooling around and share the gospel with the people that are on this earth. Let's pray.